Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree. This is Tim Staples of Catholic Answers. I'm excited to let you know that I also teach high school apologetics for homeschoolconnections.com, an online Catholic curriculum provider. There are also recorded independent learning courses at homeschoolconnections.com. Whether you take apologetics with me, literature with Joseph Pierce, or philosophy with Bill Donahue, or any of the other 400 plus courses with homeschoolconnections.com, it's a great way to get Catholic learning for your family. Good morning, Philip. Good morning, Ricardo. How is life? Life is going well. So I have a prediction. Go ahead. You have a question for me that you have asked every year that you've known me. Well, this week is uh, this Friday. Yes. Right. The Feast of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. And more than asking you a question, I'm wondering what excuse will you have this time <laughs> not to accept my invitation to preside at that Mass. I know. You ask me every year to come and celebrate that Mass with you and, and be with you at that Mass, and I would love to. And I always had scheduling, legitimate scheduling conflicts. So I was just thinking about this. That day, I'm going to be in Chicago for a wedding, a son of a good parishioner friend of mine at one of my parishes. So, so I may not sign the letter of suitability that you need <laughs> to go to Chicago. When they ask us, who is this guy, we'll say, we don't know anything about him. Philip, what? Yeah, you have all the paperwork that I've been sending to Chicago, and you're going to give that approval. So. I think we already did that. <laughs> Congratulations to to your friend. Daniel and Julia. So they uh, originally grew up at, uh, uh, Daniel did at uh, one of my parishes in Wauwatosa, and uh, looking forward to where they live now in Chicago, Old St. Patrick's. Old St. Patrick's is a great place. I hear it's beautiful, but I've never been in there. And because of some of the COVID restrictions, I'm not going to get in until pretty much the last minute. We're a little nervous, though, because we can't rehearse. But it's going to be great. It's a beautiful church, and the people who run it are very nice. They do receive many priests for weddings and for baptisms, like some of our parishes in Milwaukee here. They they, they open their churches for couples who then bring their own priest, a classmate or a friend, and that's what happens at all St. Patrick's in, in Chicago also. But very nice people, you will see. I'm looking forward to it. And happy feast day to you and to your parish. Do you celebrate on Friday or do you celebrate a little bit on the weekend as well? No, I like the idea of celebrating on Friday when it's supposed to be. And we've never moved the feast to the weekend. It's one of the things that I'm very, I feel very strongly about. It's an opportunity to to have a, one celebration on the day off, I think that's important. I don't like people to miss what the what the rest of the universal church is celebrating on the weekend. I agree with you. Of course, I'm very lucky at one of my parishes, it's Christ King, so it's always a Sunday. St. Bernard as well, they really like to keep it on the, the day that it's on and not move it to the weekend, so we keep the cycle of the Gospels, but I know that there are different opinions about that. Mm-hmm. A, a canonical question. Do you need permission from the bishop to move the patronal feast of the parish to a weekend or not? Good question. I do not think you do. I, think I don't think you can, need to yeah, ask I think permission. The, the pastor can do that, yes. Yeah. 
Anyway, here we are, two guys and a gospel for the 11th Sunday in Ordinary Time. So we celebrated Pentecost, we celebrated the Trinity, we celebrated Corpus Christi. Now we go back to Ordinary Time. And, and we've said this many times, Ordinary Time in the sense of order. There is an order, every Sunday gets a number, and we take it from where we stopped, right before Ash Wednesday, uh, but not ordinary in the sense of a person is ordinary or this is a less important time than others. It is important. What I love about this Sunday always is it's officially summer. So now we have this big group of ordinary time until Advent, until it's really late fall and getting into winter. And I just love this now. Now it's officially summer and we just sit at the feet of Jesus in the Gospels, especially Mark. So I'll read. <laughs> so we are reading from Mark's Gospel, chapter 4, 26 to 34. Jesus said to the crowds, This is how it is with the kingdom of God. It is as if a man were to scatter seed on the land and would sleep and rise night and day, and through it all the seed would sprout and grow. He knows not how. On its own accord the land yields fruit, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. And when the grain is ripe, he wields the sickle at once, for the harvest has come. He said, To what shall we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable can we use for it? It is like a mustard seed that, when it is sown in the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. But once it is sown, it springs up and becomes the largest of plants, and puts forth large branches so that the birds of the sky can dwell in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to understand it. Without parables, he did not speak to them, but to his own disciples, he explained everything in private. I'm continuously amazed about the, the use of agricultural examples by yeah. Jesus. We... we we hear them many times, and during Easter also we had several, the vine and the grapes and the vineyards, and, and it's, it's fantastic. And I think if Jesus would come back, would, would he use examples from another area? But, but there is something about agriculture that, that it's difficult to replicate in other fields of human activity. That's what I've always thought. And the parables here are fantastic. Well, they're beautiful parables. We can kind of, uh, I think, look past this. But what this emphasizes is the significance of Jesus's place in a specific point in history, a specific mm -hmm. place, a specific time. And that's when he is. And here's when we are as well. So I love that, that word. He spoke to them as they were able to understand it. That, of course, is the challenge to us as we go out and we bring people to this Jesus Christ and to be the best versions of themselves. Are we communicating in such a way that they're able to understand it? And that's always that's a. An important line from Jesus. Do you ever preach in parables? Not about the parables, in parables. And I don't think we do. We, what I have heard is many people telling stories. There are many people who think that the way to preach is to begin with a personal story. I never do. I sometimes may tell some stories if they are very clearly connected to the gospel. I never thought that I had to do this. And, and uh, I remember one teacher at the seminary who was very strong on, on, on the stories. And some people would say that you can use stories even if they are not yours. I, I never understood that. I've always been more preaching what I think has to be preached, but, and some stories may help. But if you had to preach in parables, what, what area would you use? 
Well, here's the thing. So as Mark said here, he spoke the word to them as they're able to understand it. I said it's a really key line. This demonstrates that in terms of you've waded into what really is the million dollar question for anyone who is preaching or communicating how, <laughs> you know, so I think about this every single moment, every single Sunday. Generally speaking, when I was more newly ordained, I had a story. It had to be an authentic one. It had to be an authentic example. I never made anything up or took it from somewhere else. And I would kind of start that out. Probably in the last eight or nine years, I've gotten away from that, and hmm. lately a lot more away from that. Do you know why? Because we leave the priesthood, so most of the stories we have are churchy, you know? Sure. <laughs> I think that's part, part of, of it. it. Yeah, I think that's part of it, but what I'm trying to do is for us all to enter into the biblical worldview. I've mm. kind of tried to, as much as I can to do that, but to do it in ways that, that people understand and that I understand. And so anyway, I'm thinking about this all the time and I'm sure you are as well. How do we do it better? Yeah. And then the second thing we could say today, th these are parables of the kingdom that Matthew will pick up famously and will expand to, to many more and more detailed. But look at the ones here. First one, uh, on its own accord, the land yields fruit, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain. I think it's fantastic because the first parable tells you that this is about a process. First of all, what is Jesus talking about? The kingdom of heaven? But Jesus was about the kingdom of heaven here and now. And he's describing a process. Sometimes we want, we want things to happen right away. And I, I find it very beautiful that, that he describes very well a process of growth. That that's how things work, and that's how you you create something in 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 our in our context, in our reality. What I appreciated about it is that this is a reminder. This is about the long game. So it's that slow growth and that beautiful little image: sleep and rise, night and day, and doesn't really know what's going on. And then all of a sudden, you know, the land participates and, and yields this fruit. But it's just that long game of of you know, beautiful image we sometimes speak of is planting seeds in people's lives and in kind of the places that we are planting those seeds. And we don't know. We might not see how God is acting there. Second one, the, the parable of the mustard seed that we've heard many times. One of the points I normally make, very, very small seed, as we know, I cook with it, so I do know it's incredibly small. It doesn't say that it will develop in the largest of trees. It says in the largest of plants. So I always thought that this was a very realistic assumption, right? And then it says, put forth large branches and the birds of the sky can dwell. So it's a place of welcoming. So I'm always thinking, Jesus describing the kingdom of, of, of God here. So our places or places where we try to preach the gospel should be a places where everybody has room and, and, and there is room for everyone. And we are a shelter for people. I agree. I agree with that. What I love about both of these examples is this is coming off of the Easter season. So it's early off the Easter season. I think it's really providential that both of these examples come up as really concrete, very real, and, and very challenging to say, hey, you got to be out there participating in the growth of God through the ways that you actively participate. And, mm -hmm. uh, and, and even just that little bit of faith, that little mustard seed can grow into amazing things. So they're very encouraging examples, I think, as we now go out, like the disciples after Pentecost cost, go out into the world, which is where we are right now. And I have nothing else to say. <laughs> Can you believe it? Well, here's the thing with the parables so that Jesus uses. Sometimes they're so clear what more can you add? And that's why I, especially weekends like this, I'm hesitant to add more images to it uh, so as not to add to what Jesus says. I remind you of your canonical obligation to say something on a Sunday. That's right. There are exactly. only a couple of exceptions. Yes. And we just experienced them in Holy Week. Right. Um, 
Palm Sunday and, and, and Good Friday, you only preach if necessary. Exactly. <laughs> the rest of the year, it's your obligation. Well, these are good. I mean, this is a good launching point into summer, like I say, summer and to this big stretch of ordinary time. So beautiful images here from Jesus and important parables for us to pray about. At Sacred Heart, we started a, a garden. Uh, we call it a, a parish vegetable garden. Hopefully, it will be a community garden in the future. But one of my inspirations was to, to I want to make sure that the children from the school and from the parish can, can see how you grow food. I'm not sure they know. I'm not sure... Yeah. I'm not sure they have that experience, and, and, and I want them to see it, and I, I want them to see things growing. We are starting very small. It's a really, really, really small piece of land, but who knows, in the future, maybe it, it grows into something else. Like it says here, you cannot start full-fledged, so I'm starting <laughs> very, very slowly, very modestly, and see how it goes. All right. I'll bring you tomatoes soon. Yes. Excellent. Well, good. So how about we come together next week and we'll uh, we'll keep moving on here with the, that'll be the 12th Sunday of Ordinary Time next week. Very good. So could you write down Sacred Heart Friday next, next, next year? year? Save, save 20, the date. Put it in my calendar. 2022. I'll put it in my calendar. Happy feast day to you and to your parish in, uh, in a couple of days. Thank you very much, Philip. Take care.